0: Chapter Eighteen of Mister Wicker's Window by Carly Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. This recording by Arthur Piantadosi. It was perhaps as well that Chris had more than enough to think of; otherwise, the at leaving home, might have been even more distressing than it was his last day passed like a flash though from his attitude no one certainly not becky would have guessed that the next morning he would not be there to eat his breakfast in the sunny kitchen window amos as sense all of chris's moods knew something was afoot when chris and mr Wicker finally told him of the sailing plan amos's eyes grew rounder than ever and sparkled more brightly but he said never a word at ten o'clock that night, when Becky had gone heavily to her room, wondering perhaps why Chris had given her so hard a hug, Ned silly knocked at the back door. he had brought a lighted cart on which there stood a large wicker hamper. Ned and Chris lifted it into the kitchen, where old Mr. Wicker drew the curtains and held a candle high. The candlelight flickered and flapped like a trapped bird to the corners of the room, and sharp bird-winged shadows caught across Mr. Wicker's thin, all dark figure. It's to Chris, who was to hold the scene ever after in his memory, the kitchen by the light of that one candle and the figure of his master standing in its center moved Chris as he had never been touched before. Amos stood near the basket, looking first into its square depth filled with shadow, and then up, inquiring at in Mr. Wicker, but he did not speak. Be of good heart, Amos, Mr. Wicker told him kindly. Look after young Christopher as best you can. Then, as a gesture from Mr. Wicker, Amos Agog stepped into the hamper where he stood uncertainly, his expression half-terrified and half-delighted. Yes, sir, I will, he piped up, shriveled excitement. Simon. I'll keep my honor, he promised, and then curled up in the hamper. Ned Silly shut down the top, and he and Chris lifted it to the cart. Mr. Wicker spoke low in a dent's ear. All is well understood, he inquired. This is no time for misunderstandings. Aye, aye, sir. All is clear, the good Ned replied. Then God speed to you all and bring you safely home, said Mr Wicker. Be on the lookout for this lad, Ned, when you get past the bar. We shall, Ned whispered back, and good luck to the two of you. Clucking to the horse on wheels covered with rags, and with cloths about the horse's hooves to deaden their sound, Ned Silly and the hamper went quietly up in the direction of the dwarves. In a moment, cart, horse, and driver were smalled up in the denseness of the night. A black night it was, indeed. Although there was a moon, the clouds scudded over it, and an autumn wind bent the trees, tearing the leaves from them. A mist rose from the river, but it was blown away from all but the most sheltered places. Mr. Worker and Chris stood in the silent kitchen looking about him chris remembered with a pang the first morning he would seen it with becky in her gaudy hat standing near the fire come on christopher mr wicker bade him taking up his cape black cloak and another one for chris first wind the rope about your waist and once on board bind it under your shirt let no one not even amos know of it chris stood as he was told mr wicker then gave him a leather pouch hung on a cord "'Here are some elements of magic that may prove their usefulness,' he remarked. "'Wear them about your neck.' "'So saying,' he slipped the leather cord around over Chris's head. "'What happens to the rope and pouch when I change my shape, sir?' he asked. "'They will remain with you. "'No have no fear of that,' the replied. "'What would be the use of magic if it proved unable to adjust itself?' "'A smile played over Mr. Walker's face. "'So all is ready,' he said, glancing around.' "'Now we must be off and lose no time, for we have much ahead of us,' said Mr. Wicker dryly, blowing out the kennel. "'Before he knew it, Chris stood until what far off time. "'Outside Mr. Wicker's house, his master locked the door. "'The wind, swooping down like some great bird, tugged at their cloaks and chilled their faces. "'Chris led the way to the creek and the marsh, but at this time both he and Mr. Wicker wore high boots "'which kept the icy water and mud from their feet. What I wouldn't give for a flashlight, Miss muttered as he came to the marsh. Yes, the twentieth century has many conveniences, Mr. Wicker replied, and Chris could imagine behind him a man's sardonic smile and amused eyes. They came out suddenly from the blackness of the woods to the wind-tip-whipped river, and through the moon was still obscured. The river held a pallid sheen of its own that gave a little light. There was not a sound to be heard, but the hurried lap of water against the shore, the suck and pull of Chris's and Mr. Wicker's boots in the mud, and the sharp hair-raising re- rustles from time to time in the reeds. Chris's heart thudded in his throat as those furtive noises, for they could only be made by rats or water snakes, and Chris liked neither of these, especially at night. Pushing along the marsh edge and feeling their way, the two figures at last came in sight of their goal. The high, dark hull of the Venture rose above the water, an amber lantern hanging in her stern. The wind swung the ship, and the tide, still flowing up the the, the Potomac, showed that the bow held by the anchor was pointed somewhere uh, upstream. The anchor may have dragged, Chris whispered to Mr. Wicker. Now for our boat! The rope seemed to uncoil from about its waist almost of itself, and with the gestures he had been taught, Chris formed a very adequate craft, a little trifle lopsided, it must be admitted, as he had small practice, but seaworthy uh, nonetheless. I shall see that the men sleep soundly, Mr. Wicker You do the rest. I shall, sir, Chris agreed, and then the moon showed an edge for the moment in the clouds. Look, sir, the Mirabelle! Towards sleeping georgetown for it was nearly midnight now whiteness showed itself closer against the distant wharves the mirabell was edging out and chris knew that ned bowie abner cloud and the others were pulled up by the ship's boats into the main flow of the river once turned she would float noiselessly down the potomac past the venture and once he was aboard would voice her sails and set her course to sea then quick may miss wicket we took too long. We seemed we are a trifle late. They stepped into the boat, each taking an oar, and with only a few small pulls came alongside the silent venturer. They moored their boat to the anchor rope. mister Wicker touched Chris by way of wishing him luck and disappearing. For half a second more Chris waited. No sound came from the ship, but a light showed in the captain's cabin. In a twinkling a monkey with a pouch about its neck ran up the anchor rope and pausing on the gunwale sniffed at the pungent flower smell that it now knew meant sleep for all the sailors then it bounded toward the light a window of the cabin on the lee side had been left open. Clinging to the piece of ringing before it spread to the sill, the monkey's eyes caught what seemed to be a shadow darker than that of the mist of the night moving away from the sailor le- left on a night watch. The man now lay slumbered in sleep. The same heady scent of spices and flowers that had overcome Chris when he first entered Mr. Wicker's shop blew away on the gusty wind. The ship tugged and strained at her anchor, wind and turning tide making taut the line that held her close to shore. The venture, her rigging and mast scarcely visible, so sombre was the night, lay ominously silent, excepting for the murmur of voices from the cabin. Abruptly aware of the passing of time and the approaching white cloud on the water that was the Mirabel, the monkey sprang to the side of the open window and peered inside. A smoking lamp hung low over a centre table, dropping a dusky round glow on the larger circle beneath it. Claggett Chew was blearily studying a paper spread out before him, leaning his ugly bare skull on one hand. His eyes were bloodshot, and an empty wine bottle and glass holding only wine dregs showed he had been drinking and was now half asleep. Osterbridge, hawsey in a heavy silk robe and embroidered slippers lounged sideways in a chair with his he- legs hanging over the arm his hand trailed an empty glass on the floor and a silly drunken smile played over his face it, he was saying is the place he got up oh dear there he comes!" he implained with a frown let me have more wine Claggett shoe did not reply nor rise to fetch another bottle. Osteridge-Hawsey gave another hiccup. You Hick! Know, and always again. Mark it! Claggett, you may forget all those oh, walls to get over or oh, under, he said. Oh, oh dear. pick Think of those jewels, Claggett Dare oh, Damn it, take these hiccups! He had slain in a fury of annoyments, but it made no motion to change his comfortable condition. Click it, Esterbridge snilled. Are you asleep or angry or ick? Put across where that tree, is, I say. I want those pimp, jewels. Click it, and so do you. Ick. Befuddled, his perspectives hopelessly blurred by excessive wine. Click shoe made a mark on a map. There he growled his upper lip drawn back over his teeth will that shut you up a moving shadow duskier than the shadows themselves came through the door and hovered over osterbridge hawsey clacket's shoes suddenly started up i smell him he murmured thickly he's here below white watchman he shouted drunkenly. As he got up, stumbling and thrashing about in the uncertainty of his movements, his chair crashed to the floor, and the monkey made a leap, cupping the lantern from its hook. The light was dashed out, and in the dark as he jumped, the monkey seized the creased well-thumbed paper as he leaped back towards the pale square that was the window. Behind it, claggot oaths, and exclamation became bitter as a spicy smell grew stronger at last his mutterings trailed off into snorts and finally snores the monkey clutching a paper to itself sat on the window ledge stuffing it into the pouch about its neck And the monkey's smile fluttered around its face as it heard a last dreaming sound from osterbridge mm-hmm, Whoop! came from osterbridge hawsey down the anchor rope scrambled the monkey with the agility and speed for which monkeys are famous mr wicker was already in the boat oh, how shall we be sir came the low voice of chris shall i become a beaver and go down and gnaw the rope off at the, uh, the anchor no said mr wicker it can be done more easily than that nothing to trace it get in the boat here comes the Mirabelle. taking his own shape once more chris saw the white ghost-like signs of the mirabell soundlessly passing downstream. Not a creak nor a splash of water came from her as she passed, but from the stern a tiny light, struck by a flint perhaps, blinked once and twice, and then a third time. Now, in Mr. Wicker's voice, let me have my man to pull that rope. He only seemed to hold the anchor up a moment and give it a easy pull. A tugging strain was suddenly gone, and the venture veered away like a frightened waterfowl. Will she go where she should, sir? Chris wanted to know, leaning forward. "'That she will, Christopher,' aimed the familiar voice in the dark, "'and we must get at her out of the way, for here she comes down at us, "'the wind and the tide, and, hmm, other forces we will drive her solidly upon the bar. "'If I mistake not, it will be several days before they get her off.' "'And on the night air, Verdok heard a faint short chuckle. <laughs> "'Poor boy,' his master told him sharply, "'Here she comes!' Chris grasped the oar and swung in the boat only in time, for the down-flowing tide and rising wind combined to drive the venture forward into increasing speed, the tide still being still high. The wrist was carried well upon the sandbar before it grounded, lolling over on one side, much like the sleeping sailors. Quick, lad! Now we must cast the mirror bell, and you and I must part. Oh, sir... Chris cried, holding his oar above the water and turning his head toward the man beside him. Mr. Wicker clasped Chris on the shoulder, and a glint of moonlight showed him to be smiling. "'I shall miss you too, my lad,' he said. "'Now, let us send this boat over the river as fast as you can go. and "'Bear in mind to keep your own shape at all times, "'and you can change it out of sight of prying eyes.' They pulled on the oars. "'Oh, yes, I forgot, I only forgot.' among the effects placed in your sea chest you will find a conch shell hold it to your ear christopher as children do to hear the sea you will be able to hear my voice if ever you should need to oh like a walkie-talkie chris asked pulling at his oar somewhat and chris knew his master smiled at him how about getting you to shore sir chris inquired pulling in rhythm so that the rope boat flew down the black and silver river have you forgotten who i am my boy he was asked in return no sir said chris feeling a little small then undo the digging and clamber up the sign, for here we are said mr booker in the towering of the mirror bell rose above them chris grasped a rope ladder then hung down beside them to the water's edge and turned for a last word i'll do my best sir but i hope you'll stay with me he cried all that i can christopher Came the distant voice. Godspeed. And looking about, Chris made out, coasting in the air, a seagull, balanced upon its black tipped wings. Swallowing a lump in its throat that proved uh, bothersome, Chris jerked at one oar and deftly coiled the magic rope over his arm, holding to the ship's ladder on the other. A signal flashed, a lantern swung in an arc, and dim figures waited in their places, hauled on the lines. As Chris stopped to the deck over the side, the great white sails rose, spread, and bellied out from the three masts. Chris looked in wonder at the Mira, as Mirabelle, proud as a woman, lifted up her head. Soon on the silent river, only a dwindling sight of lonely sails was to be seen. Heading toward Chesapeake Bay, and then to sea, but anyone with eyesight good enough might have seen a solitary seagull Follow. End of chapter 18 of Mr. Wicker's Window by Carly Dawson.